Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. We, uh, we are in a series in fact, we were supposed to cross the finish line today, all the fields, but this has been such a, it's blessed my life to be able to study and learn and grow in it. I feel like it's been a, a great value to our church that what we're going to do after Mother's Day, we're going to extend this two more weeks. Is that okay? Is that all right? Yeah, because some of you have some feelings and you're waiting for us to address what to do with that feeling. Uh, we've talked about sadness. We've talked about anger. We've talked about fear. Today, I want to talk to you about envy. Mmm, come on. Mmm. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, there was this cheer that we were not supposed to do. Mama said, don't do it because it wasn't nice. Maybe your mama told you the same. But every now and then, we would break out with a little U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no while by you. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, okay. <sighs> Y'all said that same cheer too, huh? See, mama wouldn't say, she, don't you dare say, it's just mean, it's mean. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. I can't believe we're saying this in church. Mom, if you're watching, I'm sorry. I'm teaching thousands of people a bad cheer. Um, I want to talk to you about an ugly feeling. It's not nice. In fact, if I could title the topic today, I would talk to you about fighting the ugly, green-eyed monster called envy. Why, why am I saying this monster is green? Because we, we talk about being green with, yeah, being green. It's a green-eyed monster, eyes, because, you know, envy comes with us looking at everybody else. And what, 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 what it creates inside of us could turn us into something we don't even like. Now, you know, in preparation for this topic on jealousy and envy, a little confession, I did not have to do a lot of outside research. I didn't have to go to the library and look up stuff. I didn't have to ask Bible scholars what they thought. How many know you don't have to look outside, but what you got to do is look inside? And so I want to talk to you, and a lot of this is just from the own, my own painful reality of the moments and the seasons that I've wrestled with jealousy and envy. Envy is being sad at somebody else's success or being glad at their failure. Greed says, I want a house just like yours, but envy says, I want to burn your house down. Come on now. Envy says, Lord, if you can't make me skinny, at least make all my friends fat. Come on. <laughs> Envy is hoping another person will fail so that you can succeed on the back of their failure. Mm, I know this is not a shouting message yet. But this is the ugliness. How many of you know that, that our spirit is willing but our flesh is weak? How many know there's some ugly parts to our flesh? Envy and jealousy is all about a flesh fest. 
I can get in the flesh and, and, and think some things and do some things that are not nice. I remember when I, when I first went off to college and, and uh, you know, as a freshman, incoming freshman, playing basketball in high school, man, all state, all district, man, I was all everything. You go to college, it's a whole different ballgame. I wasn't used to sitting the bench in college. But my freshman year, we were four and 23. That means we won four games. <laughs> yeah. Out of 27, we were four and 23, and I didn't see a lot of playing time at all. Now, here's what's interesting. I, I discovered something while I sat there on the bench, and I watched these other guys play. We were all on the same team. We wore the same colored jerseys, had the same name on the front, but different names on the back. I found myself more concerned with the name on the back come on somebody, than I was with the name on the front, sitting there on the sidelines, on the, you know, on the bench, and all these guys playing ahead of me, and, you know, man, just thinking these thoughts of, man, that should be me. Man, I play harder than he does. I had a better week in practice than he did. Some guy, you know, he dunks on two guys, and I'm like, so what? I could do that. And okay, go. It was hard for me to work up the energy to cheer on the team because I was just thinking about me. Sitting on the sidelines and then one of our players gets injured. It's like, oh, he twisted an ankle? <laughs> Coach, it's my turn. Put me in. You know, envy, it, it looks to capitalize on the failure of others so you could climb your own ladder of success. Are you with me today? Uh, maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. This is a psalm of Asaph. And Asaph, let me give you his resume. I think this is really interesting because Psalm 73 has a lot to say about jealousy and envy. But, but listen to the resume of this young man. Asaph was one of the leaders of the Tabernacle Choir. He was appointed by King David, so he was entrusted with a lot as it related to worship in the presence of God's people. He was a leader. In fact, he had a school of worship, and, and he raised up other worship leaders. These are known as the sons of Asaph. Of all the Psalms, Asaph wrote 11 Psalms. Uh, he was not only a, a worship leader, but he was a skilled poet, he was a singer, and he was a musician. How many think that's pretty impressive? His brother's got it going on. On top of all of that, he's a prophet. God would use him prophetically. He was incredibly gifted and successful. Yet Psalm 73 is written about Asaph's struggle with envy. Read it with me here, starting with verse 1. The Bible says, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. Some of you are here today and you feel like you're slipping. You're struggling to stay planted. Why is it? He says, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. Why is it that Asaph was struggling to be stable? Look at verse 3. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Why was he slipping? I mean, he talked about the goodness of God. He, he talked about, hey, the Lord is with his people. Yet I myself, I'm losing my footing because I've envied the proud. I see the prosperity of the wicked, and it's causing me to slip. Verse 4, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. What's Asaph doing right now? He's looking at social media. 
Come on now, are you with me? Can I preach where we live just for a minute? Yeah, some of you are in that stained glass approach, you know. Man, I want to bring you to the 21st century. He's saying their bodies are just so healthy and strong. He's looking at Facebook. He's checking out what everybody else is doing, and he sees their prosperity and their promotion and their advancement, and he's comparing it to his own reality. How many of you know that that social media is all about everybody's highlights? But life is not just highlights. How many know there's a lot of lowlights that get edited out of our social media posts? Hmm, we're going to have fun today. (laughs) They seem to live such painless lives. Can I tell you this? Not everything that appears is always the way that it is. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies, he's following some people on CrossFit, their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. The first thing I want you to see is this, and this is what breeds envy. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the first step is comparison comparison. Now, let's, let's be quick to say this. Not all comparison is bad. There, there's, a, there's a good aspect to comparing. When you see somebody and you're inspired by their example, that's a good thing. Paul said, hey, look at my life and follow me as I follow Christ. That, that's good. We, we go and sometimes we look at what other people are doing in our field. Maybe you go to a conference You know, sometimes I'll go to a conference with other pastors and and church planters and people that are in ministry, and you hear testimonies and stories, and you get inspired. Comparing is not always bad. But I'm going to tell you, there's a very dangerous side to comparison. When you look at somebody else, and you look at their life, and you look at their progress, you look at their advancement, and you think, man, that ought to be me. In fact, you're so much consumed with what God is doing in somebody else's life that you neglect with what he's trying to do in your own. Are you with me? You ever scroll through social media and you're thinking, man, I hate my life. I want your life. Why can't I be where you are? Why can't I be? uh, I I want what you have. There's a dangerous side to comparison. Sometimes I go to a conference, and, and if I'm not inspired, I walk away discouraged and depressed thinking, man, what's wrong with me? I thought we were doing something. We're not doing anything. How many know that's a dangerous thing? Comparison. I want to tell you this. Comparison starts early in life, does it not? It's almost like instinctively we look at others and then we calculate where they are and we lay it on top of the scale of our own life and we see some sort of deficit. I can remember when Trevor was in kindergarten and he was talking about these uh, action figures and I can't even remember the name of it, Skylander something or other. And Dad, Dad, I got a Skylander, Skylander's Giants. Oh, I got to have this Skylanders. I'm like, okay, well, why, what, what's this all about? Well, Daddy, everybody's talking about it and, you know, all my friends have it. So, okay, we got to look it up, see what this deal is. And Rachel and I said, well, son, if you, if you do well on your report card, strong grades these nine weeks, we'll go to Walmart and we'll get you a Skylander's Giant. So sure enough, nine weeks goes by, grades are good, we're going to Walmart, we see, let him pick out, okay, what what is the action figure that, daddy, this is the one, this is the one. So we get him this this giant whatever, he's excited, he was so happy, he was like a different kid, oh, just thrilled. And then the next day, when I pick him up from school, it was like somebody flipped the switch. He was all sad and depressed, and I'm like, son, what's wrong? He said, well, Dad, I realized that Hunter has 22 Skylanders giants. 
and Carter has 24 Skylanders giants, and I only have one. And I'm thinking, oh, man, wait a second. What happened to the little boy at Walmart yesterday? That of all, if, Daddy, if you just give me this one action figure, I'll never ask for anything else in my entire, come on now, am I talking to anybody? So you do the one, and now all of a sudden, what made him happy the day before, come on now, what was supposed to satisfy him the day before no longer satisfied him because he compared. I'll tell you something, insecurity will lead to comparison, and comparison creates envy. Can I have a good amen? You see, there's, there's, because of the deficit inside of us, we look at what's happening around us, and we compare their journey to ours, and we never seem to add up. That is a breeding ground for envy and jealousy. And I'll tell you this, and those who battle envy, those of us who battle envy, eventually that envious, jealous spirit leads to criticism. The most critical people are jealous people. Come on, smile at me this morning. Are you into this today? Could you inform your face that you're into this today? We'll tell you a test that God will require all of us to pass. It's the test that's called when God blesses someone else. When God promotes someone else. How many have taken that test a few times? How many have had to retest because you didn't pass it? Oh, yes, Cindy. And then, you know, you, you know, when you hear good news from somebody, you know, hey, listen, you've been single your whole life, and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, did you hear that so-and-so just got engaged? And you're like, <laughs> praise the Lord. Are you, hey, do we not do this? Yeah, you're fa- you put that fake smile on because inside of you, you're dying. You're thinking, oh, my, they are engaged? <sighs> and then, you know, you're thinking, you're having this internal conversation. God, I've, I've just been so faithful, and I love you, and, you know, I can't believe. And, you know, you're battling singleness, and it's hard for you to celebrate when somebody else gets engaged. Or, you know, a friend comes to you and says, listen, we just put, we signed a purchase agreement on a house. And you've been living in an apartment. God's even given you the blueprints for the house that you want to build. And somebody else has bought a piece of property. They're building a house. And God's saying, can you celebrate what I'm doing in them? Maybe you've battled infertility. A friend gets pregnant. And you're thinking, God, why? I'm telling you this. It's tough for us to move forward in the blessing of God if we can't celebrate the goodness of God in somebody else's life. Asaph got in trouble. He was slipping. I'm going to tell you, envy is a slippery slope. When jealousy begins to creep in, then all of a sudden you're no longer happy with what God's doing in your life. You can't be happy because you're so envious of what he's doing in somebody else's life. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. Mind your own business. Okay, okay, okay. You're saying, Mike, that's pretty harsh. I didn't say that. The scripture did. 
Remember when, 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 when Jesus and Peter were having a conversation at the end of the Gospel of John. I don't have time to, to turn there, but just trust me. Read it later this week. End of the Gospel of John, and Jesus is telling Peter the way that he's going to die. Remember, he's predicting Peter's death, and Peter's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, what about him? And he's talking about John. You remember that? Okay, well, Lord, if that's how I'm going to die, well, what about John? And what did Jesus tell Peter? Nunya. Right? He said, it's none of your business. He says, what is it to you? If, 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 I, if he remains until I come again, you just follow me. What's he saying? Stay in your lane. Come on, can I have a better amen? The words of our loving Savior Jesus, mind your own business. Look at what it says, verse 10. And so the people, this is Asaph, check him out. And so the people are dismayed and they're confused. Everybody say confused. Drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Oh, come on. How many of you love the Psalms? Oh, this is so freeing today. This is therapeutic today. Here Asaph says, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Asaph is saying, God, I'm doing all the right things. Why is it that all the wrong things are happening to me? Can anybody identify with that? Lord, they're not serving you. They're not following you, but they seem to be so blessed. The Bible says people are dismayed and confused. I want you to see this. Number one, it starts with comparison, but look at where it leads to. It, look, it leads to confusion. Jealousy and envy will create confusion. You start thinking crazy thoughts. When you're consumed with jealousy, you think irrational thoughts. You know, I thought about a season in my life, and I'll just be completely honest. I did not want to be me. I, I wanted to be anybody else but me. I didn't like my context. I didn't like my situation. It just seemed like everything was happening, imploding in my world and, and what God was doing in everybody else's world. I wanted to attach to somebody else and be like them. So much so that in the morning when I would get dressed, I would dress in the dark. I wouldn't even look in the mirror. Didn't like what I saw looking back at me. Didn't want to be me. And I was so confused. God, why did you have to make me this way? Has anybody ever thought that? Anybody dared to even question that? And here, as your pastor, I want you to know that I've spent a large portion of my life trying to be like everybody else but me. And do you know when you're jealous of somebody else or you want to be somebody else, you're saying, God, what you made when you created me wasn't good enough. God created you unique. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. Don't die some carbon copy of trying to be somebody else. You see, we think crazy, irrational thoughts. When, when jealousy, it starts with comparison and then it breeds confusion. James 3.16, the Bible says this, For wherever there is jealousy, wherever there's envy and contention, rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be what? Confusion unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. What's he saying? Wherever you find jealousy, you'll see confusion. And I think the word of the Lord for some people is God's wanting to bring some clarity. 
He doesn't want the body of Christ to be confused. You need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Get your eyes off of man. Get your eyes off of circumstances. Set your eyes on the one who created you, who has the blueprint for you. He knows your purpose. He's called you. He's anointed you, and he's got a plan for your life. Can I have a better amen? Confusion sets in, and we think all these irrational thoughts. You know the other thing is? You know, we get confused uh, about our calling, but jealousy and envy will block the blessing that God's trying to get to us. It'll block the blessing. It blocks a blessing. It's a roadblock. It impedes what God's trying to give you. You know, when I'm jealous, and, and I'll just tell you this, as a pastor, I'm not jealous of a lot of things or a lot of people. I, I probably won't be jealous of you, but I can look at another pastor and be jealous of him. You know, we compare ourselves to those in our same circle and in our field. Nod your head if you're with me. Yeah, and, and so if I'm jealous, I mean, you know, think, I remember first getting started in ministry, and I didn't know how to preach or teach, and I'm still learning. Um, but, man, I just tried to imitate anyone and everyone. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd see T.D. Jakes preaching, thinking, man, I want some of that. Get in that youth group and start just preaching like T.D. Ha! Say it like he said it. Maybe they'll do what, he, what they did for him. T.D. can bring people to their feet. Guess what? I'm down there in the youth group giving my best T.D. Jakes, and Rachel's like, white boy, you ain't got that. It worked for T.D. Why won't it work for me? I'd see Billy Graham, a Billy Graham crusade, and, man, I'm, I'm going to give my best Billy Graham altar call, and, man, just call them forth. I see that hand. God bless you. They're, people are coming. They're coming from the balcony, and we didn't even have a balcony. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it worked for Billy. Why won't it work for me? Are you with me? You know, Andy Stanley, one of the smartest preachers. I mean, my goodness, he's brilliant. He can just, he can preach a 45-minute sermon using just one point. And I got to thinking, man, I'll never be as powerful as T.D. Jakes. I'll never be as compelling as Billy Graham. I'll never be as smart as Andy Stanley. And I'll never be as happy as Joel Osteen. Man, I, I just, I'm trying to smile and just get happy, and I just, I, I can't. How many like to see Joel get mad just one time? Somebody needs to pull out in front of him in traffic. Come on, somebody. And God's saying, no, no, you got it all wrong. Listen, when you're jealous, watch this, and this is for those who are in church work and in ministry too. When you're jealous of somebody else's ministry, you can't receive from their anointing. You see how it blocks what God's trying to get? I can't receive from these guys if I'm jealous of them. Can I tell you, God does not anoint imitation. He anoints inspiration. Now, be inspired by others, but you don't have to compare. And please don't be confused. I thought about this even this morning. The Pharisees, think about blocking the blessing. The Pharisees, if anybody should have been prepared for the Messiah, it should have been these men. They studied, they knew prophecy, they knew the scriptures inside and out. But why did they kill Jesus? Because they were jealous. Their power was threatened. Jesus comes in and he's teaching with authority. Not like the Pharisees, Jesus is doing miracles. Not like the Pharisees, Jesus has words of kindness and grace and lives are being transformed and the Pharisees couldn't stand it. I'm telling you, your jealousy will block a blessing that God's trying to get to you. Look at verse 17. Everybody say comparison. Say confusion. 
Look at verse 17. Then Asaph says, I went into your sanctuary. Oh, God. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path, and you send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. What was the turning point for Asaph? He says, I went into your sanctuary, and I finally understood. Number three, everybody say context. You see, the presence of God will give you context. Jealousy will capture your mind and cause you to think irrational thoughts. But the presence of God will give you perspective. Can I have a good amen? It wasn't until Asaph went into the house of God that he finally understood. God's wanting to bring some perspective to us. Some of you need to double-click and zoom out. You're so focused on this particular person and this issue that you're blinded to what's happening around you. God says, I want to help you see a larger picture. Can I have a better amen? Sometimes we just, we just get so in it, we're so absorbed in it that we, we lose perspective of it. I thought about American Idol. How many seen that TV show, American Idol? I, and I love good talent. But it's interesting how when they do the auditions, you know, they show up in like Dallas. And, you know, there, there's a line that's wrapped around the building. There's like 5,000 people are showing up for this audition. And out of 5,000, there's 5,000 people that think they're going to be the next American Idol. Isn't that interesting? And I'm not about making fun of people, but it is interesting to see some of the auditions. I guess some dude that, man, he's playing a guitar, and his mama. Come on, everybody say, thank God for mama. She believes in him so much. Come on, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Ooh, my baby. He's going to be the next. Oh, you got this. You got, and he, he's going to play that guitar because mama believes that out of 5,000 people, he got what it takes. Bless his heart. <laughs> How many sometimes you see some of those auditions, you just want to, come here. <laughs> you just need a hug right now. What's happened? They've lost perspective. Well, wait a second. Now, you, you, you may be good, but I don't know if you're the next. Sometimes we feel like we deserve. Well, I deserve this. I should have this. And God's saying, wait a second. There's perspective that you're missing. Let me hustle. Verse 21. Then he said, I realized my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. Somebody say inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. It's amazing how the presence of God brings perspective. And then Asaph begins to look within his own heart. Number four, write down the word conviction. Conviction. I love this word. Conviction tells me that God's still talking to me. And it lets me know that I can still hear his voice. You see, God is much more interested in changing you than he is in changing your circumstances. You see, envy is all about looking on the outside, but honesty is about looking on the inside. Asaph said, oh, wow, I realized I was bitter in my heart. Do you know one of the textbook stories of, of jealousy and envy? I think about the prodigal son. The prodigal. The Bible says a man had two sons. One was mad. The other was sad. And neither one knew the father's heart. 
That younger son came to his dad one day and said, give me my inheritance now. What's he telling his father? When does the son get his inheritance? Yeah, somebody's got to die. He's telling his dad, dad, you are as good as dead to me. What does the father do? In his sorrow, he gives his son the inheritance early. And you know the scripture. The Bible says he he wastes it all. I mean, parties, women, selfish indulgence. The Bible says there he finds himself in a pig pen. I'll tell you this. Sometimes you have to lose everything before you can appreciate anything. Boy, I felt the Holy Ghost right there. Slopping hogs. He's there feeding pigs. For a Jewish boy, that was the ultimate of humiliations. He finds himself in his worst moments. And then the Bible says, suddenly he came to himself. Some of you have kids that you're praying will come to themselves. You're praying for a pig pen experience. I'm telling you, God can use difficult situations to turn people around. He said, you know what? I had it better back in my father's house. I know what I'll do. I'll go home but I'm not even worthy to be a son. I'll I'll ask him if I can just be a worker, a servant, a a hired hand. And so he's on his way home rehearsing this speech that he's going to give to his dad. And the Bible says that this father sees his son coming from a long way off. You know what that tells me? Day after day, night after night, morning after morning, how many times do you think that father stood on that front porch holding out hope for his son? The Bible says that that father ran to his boy. Jewish men don't run for anything. But that day was different. You see, it was a picture of the goodness of God coming to meet that young boy. And that young boy is stammering and stuttering, and he's got this rehearsed speech, and, Dad, I'm not even worthy. And the father says, no, 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 no. I'm not having any. Don't don't talk to me like that. Listen, this ring that's on my my hand, I'm going to put it on yours. This ring that symbolizes authority, I'm giving to you. This robe that symbolizes prosperity, I'm clothing you with it. I'm giving you a new pair of shoes that represents a new direction in your life. Oh, by the way, we're going to have a barbecue. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. My son who once was lost is now found. And there was a great celebration. Now, don't you wish the story ended right there? Oh, we could just draw the curtain to a close. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. But there was another son, that older brother. Here's son. He's working in the fields. And he says, well, wait, what's all the noise? And the other servants say, well, haven't you heard? Your brother has come home. That older brother was jealous. Came to his dad and said, what in the world? What's all this feasting? Look at all this barbecue. Come on, aren't you glad they didn't have salad that day? (laughs) This is beef. I mean, we got protein here. What are you doing? He says, Dad, I have faithfully served you all these years. I've done every single thing that you've asked me to do. What is he saying? I've done all the right things. I've got my life in order. This son of yours, he didn't say my brother, this son of yours has has embarrassed our family. He's wasted all of your money on prostitutes, and you're going to throw a big Texas-style barbecue? You haven't even given me a pizza party. Oh, come on now. You haven't even given me a pizza party. What did the father have to say? He said, son, everything I have is yours. But your brother, he once was dead, but now he's alive. We had to celebrate. Hear me, hear me, church. Jealousy, boy, this is going to help somebody. Jealousy will cause you to miss the party. 
There was a party in the house, and the older brother was supposed to be a part of it. There was a celebration in the home, but he couldn't celebrate because he was jealous. Don't let envy or jealousy cause you to miss the party. Can I have a better amen? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. The truth is this. When you're free from envy, a win for your brother is a win for you. A loss for your brother is a loss for you. Don't pout or you'll do without. Don't pout at what God's doing in somebody else's life or you'll do it. The blessing that he's trying to bring to you, he can't trust you with it. Can I have a better amen? Let me wrap this up. Is this helping anybody? I believe, I believe, I believe, and the band can come up. You can find something to celebrate in your current situation. I don't know what it is that you're battling or how you're comparing where you are next to where somebody else is, but you can find something right now in your life to celebrate. And I'll dare say this. If you'll increase the level of your thanksgiving, then that jealousy will begin to die. It's, it's almost, jealousy is like a cancer. And if you don't address it, it'll only grow. You know the best way to treat cancer is with the chemo of thanksgiving. The more grateful you are, that sickness in your bones, it's just got to go. There's not enough room in your spirit to have criticism and jealousy and envy because your mouth is filled with praise. Let me finish this. Look at what it says in verse 23. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Hmm, I want you to underline that in your Bible. I desire you more than anything on earth. My heart may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Where did Asaph end up? He ended up in a place of contentment. He was content. Lord, I'm yours, and you are mine. My soul longs not for things, not for stuff, not for material possessions. God, you are my all in all. I want you to know this. The secret to having it all, you want to know the secret to having it all? Anybody interested in this? The secret to having it all is knowing that you already do. You already do. In Christ, you got everything. You see, the world will say, oh, man, it's not enough. It's not enough. Envy, let me tell you this, envy is never satisfied. Your jealousy and your envy will never be satisfied. There will always be someone who's doing it better, someone that has something more, someone that's a little more advanced. Envy is never satisfied. And the spirit of the world is what you have is not good enough. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. What you have is not the best. Boy, your cell phone. What, your cell phone doesn't unlock the front door? Your cell phone doesn't control the thermostat or turn the lights off and on? Your cell phone doesn't set the alarm. Your cell phone doesn't launch a rocket into outer space. What's wrong with you? Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? 
And if you got a flip phone, you ought to be like, praise God. I can make a phone call. Come on, somebody. Oh, your car's not keyless entry? You don't have a DVD player in your car? It's not leathered out? It doesn't have the, 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 the butt warmers when it's cold? I mean, what's wrong with your car? You need, you need a better car. Your house doesn't have an alarm system? No, I got a pit bull on my front porch. Come on, somebody. You see, when you're, when you're satisfied in Christ, I want you to hear me, the last thing I'm going to say. When you're satisfied in Christ, you're okay with your house. You're okay with the car that you drive. You're okay with that cell phone. Listen, I tell people all the time, I drive a Honda, a 2008 Honda Accord. That baby is about to fall apart. I don't even wash it because it's the dirt that's holding it all together, you know? (laughs) And I love that thing. My kids make fun of it. Dad, you need, you need, you need. I'm like, hey, shh, don't say that. The Honda's going to hear you. (laughs) Favorite thing about her, she's paid for. When, when, When you're okay with your stuff, hear me, church, you can settle down and enjoy life. Now, you may not be where you want to be, and God's growing all of us here, but you got to be content in Christ. You need to leave here today saying, Lord, I have you. And if I have you, I got everything I need. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together today. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.